Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello. Do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Gate for January 17th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or on our own dedicated Open the Voice Gate feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow the show on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that sponsors podcasts and you can set up a one time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous sponsors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. Join alongside, as always, Case Low and Case. We have some big news today. It's a big show. You know, normally, we, we, we normally time these these uh, podcasts for right after the Cork and Hall shows. We weren't able to do that last week. So we got a double Cork and a talk about with a, a unit disbanding and a Dreamgate title change. But that's not the biggest news of the week, Case. What is Mike Spears? We've had a loss. What happened? To, is it the Lex Sponge that I missed something? Sierra Miss has now been removed from Store's case. I saw I, this. I saw this. I, I, I felt like you'd be well on the ball about the new uh, lemon lime beverage. Sorry. Oh, I mean, not only as a intense soda consumer, but as somebody that works in morning radio, trust me, this was covered. This was this was a front page story. This was a big headline that had to be discussed. Um, so what were your, have you had the story yet? Do you have any thoughts on it? I haven't had the story. I go to the grocery store quite often. There's a big display right in front of the self-checkout lines, which is great marketing, by the way, that they've got this big display with 
seemingly warm bottles of starry right for the taking as an impulse buy right when you leave the grocery store i'm fascinated by grocery stores anyways i think it's one of the most interesting industries there is just in the way that they're marketed and the way that they're presented and the way that products come to be i'm fascinated by the entire process starry hit a home run with the advertising of hey here here's our new drink grab one when you go to the self-checkout but it has not worked on me yet because i'm always grabbing either a Dr. Pepper or a Dr. Pepper cream soda or some Mountain Dew Chikara flavor, whatever it might be, I always get to that before I can get to the story, and it's not on the top of my mind until I see it. Now, I also, I say this as somebody who's sitting here drinking Sprite right now. I'm pretty happy with my lemon-lime citrusy soda and the choices I've made there, but by this time next week, I'll have a review on the new Starry drink. What about you, Mike? You know, I... I was there's no love lost between me and Sierra Mist. Like it was something that I put up of Sierra Mist because of what also you get with Sierra Mist, and that was cranberry Sierra Mist. So I I I have a lot of questions uh, for the Pepsi Cola corporations. First off, uh, where's the cranberry starry? I just need to know already what I can look forward to in the stores after Thanksgiving of 2023. I like like. That's the one question I care about with the story. I I get it because this year I dove headfirst into the cranberry Sprite. And we talked about this because I wasn't into the fruitcake Mountain Dew Christmas flavor, which means I pivoted to the cranberry Sprite. And there was a point in time in which both my girlfriend and my mother were texting me updates from the respective grocery stores they were at, letting me know that they could not find cranberry Sprite for either when I went to visit her later that night or in the case of when I came home for Christmas, every store they went to. I did not send them out to the store for Cranberry Sprite. Let me clarify that. But while they were there, because they care about me, they took a gander and they came up empty as we approached the Christmas season. That's heartbreaking. Now we know that the one Cranberry soda you could have gone to, that your loved ones could have found, have been like, maybe Case would like this. That's no longer an option anymore since there's no more Sierra Mist. So... Pepsi yeah, yeah it, well, well, I guess we'll find out during the holiday season what sort of gimmick starry flavors there are, which is maybe messed up of me that that's what I'm more interested in because I understand the basic lemon lime soda. I understand what it's going to taste like. I'm curious as to what the evolution of that is. Yeah, like in, in a lot of ways why I find college football more interesting than NFL. Like the lemon lime soda has been solved. That problem has been solved. Like we, we need to step into the all the holidays, you know, all the varietals we could be getting. That's where the true innovation in the game comes. Like, like this could be another air raid Mike Leach situation here with sodas. This could definitely be an air raid Mike Leach situation with sodas. That is such a delightfully colorful sentence. I really have no follow up to that. Yeah. On that note, let's talk. Let's talk some Dragon Gate. Okay. So we have a big show as you were talking about. As we we're leading off, uh, doubleheader in Corkin to lead off the 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 January schedule. Of their Tokyo stops of the month, uh, big shows, uh, the high end versus Zebrats loser must disband match, as well as Yuki Yoshioka versus Shun Skywalker for the Open the Dreamgate title belts. We'll talk about that, and as well as another big announcement that happened this week: Rey de Perejas has returned for the first time in twenty years, and we'll close out. Talking about some Dragon Gate in the U.S. case. It, it, it's almost a buffet this week. 
it's almost a buffet, but there's there's two big picture topics that I think are going to take up a bulk of the show. The Dreamgate title change and high end disbanding. Mike, can we start a little bit out of order this week? Let, let's run down the show in terms of most important to least important. Obviously, we started with the most important news with Starry coming into the fold. But can we talk about the open the Dreamgate title change on January 12th? Yes, Case. Uh, you called your shot. So Famously, yes, I did. Th- th- thank you. You know, Mike, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> but people can listen back to last week's episode. They can go to the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel, in which we clipped out me giving a correct prediction. Or they can you know, find my writing, find my words, wherever it may be. Thank you for bringing it up, Mike. I did correctly predict that Shun Skywalker would win the Open the Dreamgate Championship. I wasn't going to bring it up, but thank you for reminding people. Go ahead. You have the floor, my friend. And you almost, you almost got me over the line. Like, it, 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 it's compelling audio on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel. You lay out a good debate, and, you know, if you could have said, hey, Shun Skywalker eventually is going to start shrugging things off and and having one of the true, like, insane faces of pro wrestling that's gonna have if you lay that out to me last week case i've bought in completely because boy when when yuki yoshioka went up top it looked like he was going to complete his closing stretch that has he's been doing in this and and what was his inaugural in the Dreamgate title uh the rain he hit the battle hook the darkness buster he was going for a frog splash was having issues the entire night keeping a shooting down long enough to do it so he had a, a standing variant a lot like uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and then he went for it again this time Shun got out of the way uh Yuki uh crashed and burned would put it uh would be putting it uh pretty elegantly he basically collapsed on the mat after his frog splash attempt and that went straight into Shun Skywalker the Terminator and a two-time and the youngest two-time ever open the Dreamgate champion he wins in 28 minutes, 39 seconds. Yoshioka th- fails in a sixth defense. Skywalker becomes the 36th Open the Dreamgate champion. No challenges as Shin Skywalker took the microphone then and then basically did hit the wrestling form of I trusted you. I have to note the last five or so minutes of this match are as interesting and I, I will use the word interesting rather than enthralling or exciting but the the last five minutes of this match are as interesting of a Dreamgate finish as we have had in a very long time as you ran through exactly what happened here the battle hook the darkness buster Shun stands up shakes it off completely unfazed enters that term- terminator mode that he goes into the other thing that has to be noted there that I loved so much. And I, I, I would love to know if it's one of those things, if they drew it up this way, if it was Yoshioka going on instinct, I don't know what it was, but Shun stands up and Yoshioka throws the most panicked, oh shit, what's going on type forearm in Skywalker's direction. And when that doesn't phase him, that's when Shun goes into his final offense. He hits the Lariat. He goes for the Moonsault. He then hits the SSW. He gets the win. It is a great capital G bold italicized underlined great Dreamgate match between two wrestlers who are at the top of their game. And I think it is a a perfectly fitting way 
for this Yoshioka reign to end. I want to touch on that for a second, but real quick, let's talk about the in-ring. I haven't talked to you at all about these shows. You have the written review of the January 11th show at voiceofwrestling.com. I reviewed this over at voiceofwrestling.com. What were your thoughts on this match? I just, it was fascinating the way that it was laid out and the gear changes and the way that, you, you know, the thing with Yuki's uh, title run to that point was that he was getting better as it went along. And this one posed the question of what is, if good is not better isn't good enough in a way what if someone just has a different gear that you just aren't able to reach and i feel like that in telling this match that you know 28 minutes it did not it's something that i always feel every minute of other companies longer title matches this one i it's odd way to say it but for like a half hour match in a in a situation where Dragon Gate does not draw well on these January Corkins to begin with, so the crowd was down. They told a beautiful story here that in a lot of ways that if we want to talk about however long of a story our case, I know in your written review, you beautifully pointed out the fact that they entered the, the same dojo entrant date. They're coming up on the eighth anniversary of that. And in a lot of ways, with this big 2016 class, you try to find out the relationships of okay, who's going to be, like, the you, you, your mind naturally goes Shingo and Hulk because you're going like, okay, that was so effective in 2004 and that basically set up what the true board generation would be like. You always look for that. And the class of 2016 did not really have that for so long when, you know, you laid out this the, the storyline. This was always there all along. And now just because dropping the notes there for the fans like pay attention it it's rewarding at least seven years of like patience to have something as awesome as a match like this pay off this way where your best cannot sometimes won't be good enough sometimes someone will be bigger than you and sometimes you will you'll throw everything you have and it's just not enough because someone's just on a different plane and that's what shoon skywalker's at right now I'm glad you brought that up because you're exactly right to me. And I, I want to know where you stand on this, but to me, this feels like the closest thing Drangate has to a new generation of Shingo versus BB Hulk. Now, look, they were gifted the fact that Hulk and Shingo became an amazing tag team before the infamous Shingo turn. And then they had their Kobe world match and just all, all of those little factors added fuel to a fire that was already burning just on the storyline of being the first two guys from the Dragon Gate Dojo, their King of Gate 2005 match, which really turned heads and made people go like, holy shit, what is, what is going on in the Dragon Gate Dojo? These guys are a year into their career and they're, they're better than most wrestlers. And I think we have that with Shun versus Yoshioka. And I, I tried to paint this picture of, you know, like you said, they entered the dojo on the same day, April 1st, 2015, Shun debuts in 2016, Yoshioka two months after him. The thing that is interesting is it it still feels like we're in the very early stages of this story, but this story has life to it that because Shingo left and because Tozawa left and because Shima left and because Yoshino's gone and because of all the change that has happened, even though I maintain that Drangate at its core 
is not that different of a, of a promotion compared to 2016, 2015, 2014, the golden years. I, I, I don't think on the surface, Dragon Gate is all that different. I, rather, it, it's different on the surface at its core, it's the same. These guys had a match that reminded me so much of a Shingo versus Tozawa or a Shingo versus Hulk or a Tozawa versus Yamato because we have eight years of story there of these guys debuting, being in the class of 2016, which has taken on a life of its own. And I should probably sit down and write about just the absurd amount of success that the class of 2016 has had at this point. They're in Mochizuki Dojo. Shun goes off to Mexico. Yoshioka joins him. You have a year of Dai Inferno battling Dragon Dai and by proxy Shun Skywalker gets involved. And then you, you have this match and it just, it had extra weight to it, if that makes sense. You know, for as great as Shun versus Ashido was, and for as great as Shun versus Kazuma Sakamoto was, and for as great as Shun Skywalker versus Ben K has been, those matches didn't have years and years of, for lack of a better term, lore behind them. This was the first time in a long time that I felt a Dragon Gate match, which again, gross word, co-opted by the dumbest people alive. But this match had some lore to it, and I, I was very happy to invest myself in that. Yeah, and one rival rivalry that you brought up, or that you didn't bring up that like they are starting to lay that is SBK and JFK, but you could tell how much that is like an infancy stage versus what this was. I mean, it, it it's something that, you know, it, it kind of struck me when they did the 15 minute call and no one did like any special moves at that point. Like, I think the closest thing we had was like a moonsault knee drop and that was it. Or it might have it might have been the the fake out moonsault knee drop where he went to go do it and then That's he put right. Yoshioka in a half crab, which I I don't remember him doing that before. I lost my mind, popped huge when he did that. That was a nasty looking half crab too. Like Yoshioka, that guy. Uh, I don't know if he's double jointed, but he is limber. From that. when I remember when when Kai won the belt, the first thing he did, and I complained about it greatly at the time was they did Kai versus Takumi Hayakawa, now Minorita, and Kobe Samba Hall, the last show of 2021. I didn't like it because Kai did the thing, which is my least favorite finish in all of wrestling, where he beat up Hayakawa and then put his arm over him and took this weird pinfall loss, even though he kicked the guy's ass. And it's just it, that's something that Gabe did in Dragon Gate USA. That's something that just drives me nuts. But I hope at some point, based off of that half-crab alone... I hope we get Shun versus Nagano on a televised show and Shun just runs through him because that half crab was a good reminder of like, oh, that's right. Shun's a veteran. You know, there are guys on this roster much younger than him. And I would like to see Shun work from that point of view for the first time in his career. Yeah. And it was also cool to see a match again. Well, I, I've said this like a couple minutes ago where it's like, okay, now we have the size difference. Like, that was played up a little bit with the Binkei match. Like, of course, like, that's, like, naturally apparent there. I mean, Binkei is legit 100 kilos. Like, there's going to be, like, that there. But just, like, the little things of, like, you could tell, like, the working the idea of, oh, actually, Shun Skywalker is a rather big guy, and Yuki Yoshioka is not a big guy. And how that, like, especially played with all the uh, knee work that Yoshioka tried to do in the first half of the match. Completely. Now, th this was 
a a world title match in the truest sense. I mean, it was 28 minutes. Uh, to me, I felt the 28 minutes, but that wasn't a bad thing. This was just a match that, again, had weight to it, had a certain sense of gravity to it, and the work was exhausting in all of the right ways. By the end of it, I felt like I had been through a war with these guys, and it was just... It was great to see. It was a match that I went four and a half stars on. I flirted with going even a quarter star higher. In the end, I settled on four and a half, and I'm delighted by the results. It really was a four and five innings match. Mike, can I tell you why Shun Skywalker winning the Open the Dreamgate Championship is actually good? Lay it on me. I talked about this last week. And I, I really think it's important to note, and I, I don't know if language barrier is the right term. I think this is just something that it, people can lose sight of being, you know, with Dragon Gate being a Japanese first promotion. The idea of Yuki Yoshioka's Open the Dreamgate run was that he was going to beat all of the former Open the Dreamgate champions he could. And as we approached the Ben K match in December, I, I started to look at the list and I said, well, he's knocked out Ata, He's knocked out Yamato. He's knocked out Mochizuki. All of a sudden, he's running out of guys to wrestle because even though the Dreamgate belt at this point has been around 19 years, in reality, there just aren't a lot of open the Dreamgate champions. And we had kind of decided that, okay, if, if Susumu Mochizuki has been phased out, Let's cross our fingers and hope BB Hulk has been phased out. Then you've got, you know, your Rio Saitos and your Don Fujis. And although Fuji versus Yoshioka would have been exciting, it didn't really feel like it fit the current tone of Dragon Gate. You're now at a point where with Shingo gone and with Shima gone and with Yoshino gone, you're left with two guys were, were the names that we came up with. Two guys in, in Shun Skywalker and in Naruki Doi. And you and I had talked about the fact that they might do Doi versus Yoshioka at Champion Gate, and then Shun versus Yoshioka at Dead or Alive. Instead, they ripped the bandaid off right here. They do Yoshioka versus Shun in January, and as soon as this match was announced, I said, this is going to be the end of the reign, because for as great as Yoshioka has been, and for as successful as he's been, and I think that's worth noting, although these January houses were down, and I think Mike can speak to that in just a second, from the moment he won the belt at the end of July, Every important market, Kobe, Osaka, Kyoto, Nagoya, Tokyo, Fukuoka, they all saw increases with Yuki Yoshioka as Open the Dreamgate champion, and it was immediate. It was from the first tour on, we saw houses go up, and they continued to go up for as long as he was champion. We saw the end of this story, okay? We know who Yuki Yoshioka is now, and he is a guy. He is a capital A, capital G. He is a guy. And this title run, even though it was longer than, say, Naito's first run with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship or one of those early Jay White run maybes or even Okada holding the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for the first time where he held it from February to June of 2012, it reminded me of one of those title reigns. It felt very much like a Gato-booked run where the only way to establish Yoshioka as a top-of-the-line main event player was to give him the Open the Dreamgate Championship. Him losing the title does not decrease his value, does not demerit his stature in any way, shape, or form. It only elevated him to the top of the mountain, and now he's there. Because, Mike, let's be real. Whoever beats Yuki Oshioka next, 
they are going to feel hotter going out of that match than they came in with. And that was the entire goal of this. They now have a guy that is a bankable star that it will matter the next time he's beat. And to me, that is an overwhelming success. Yeah, and it's something that now, very clearly in retrospect, I don't think there were... You, you would have to double up a lot to get to 15 it, when you look at title defenses for Yoshioka. Like, that was not going to happen this time. He was not going to break that record. Like and, this- and by the way, I still think the betting odds favorite of the next guy, or a guy, rather, not the next guy, but a guy to beat Shima's record defenses... I think Yuki Oshioka is still the favorite. I think that has to be something that we consider the next time he's in the Dreamgate scene is, hey, if he wins this belt again, he could really rattle off some defenses. Especially if it's something where there's a lot of quick title defenses. Like, we're getting to a point now where we're almost six years, almost like six, seven years from the long Yamato run that like that there's going to be a long run coming soon it just was not this and you mentioned attendance and the attendance was not great it was about a thousand both nights and this is something that initially I feel like that there's a lot of sticker shock with the attendance case uh let me take you back a couple years so all these numbers will be under uh some variant of COVID restriction case yes and the the point I'm going to make here is is dates that these shows are happening and keeping in mind when we talk about Japanese wrestling, like it is an ecosystem. Like it's not always a zero sum game, but I mean, sometimes you go to one show and you don't go to another. Dragon Gate always, at least since 2021, and to my knowledge, just colloquially, Second week of January is their first Corkin appearance of the year. And if you go on recent history, so 2020, and they, their second Corkin did 714. Under the same restrictions, the two nights the next year did 440 and 550 or 548. Going ahead, looking towards uh, this year, or going looking towards 2021, you had two 714s. And then the next time, and to close out 2021 in December, in January, it was down to 552 and 611. And I say those two things to put out. Dragon Gate is running Cork and Hall after all the New Year's shows, after January 4th, after all of that. And it's a trend at this point where the January Corkins will do a lot worse than the December ones. And I think it's, it, you really goes to the fact that it's just when they're scheduling it, I think. Okay, tell me if this is a dumb guy thought. Okay. The, the January 11th show did 978 mm-hmm. fans. January 12th show did 1022. That is, what, a, a difference in margin of, what, 50 people about? Essentially, yeah. This is kind of like that thing where whenever AEW hits a million viewers, no matter what the demo is, everybody's like, oh, man, great, great, great week for them. A re- really good job. You know, this promotion's catching on. And whenever they're at 800,000, people ring the bell and sound the alarm. For some reason, them dipping below 1,000, I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's, that's a bad number. That, that goes to show that high end did not work this then. The other thing, even though Shun versus Yoshioka only did 50 more fans, and like you laid out, this is, this is a pattern at this point. Yeah, and unless they move their schedule up, which I don't think they will, 
ever. Like it, it, this is something that's always they do all the other loop shows, maybe Kobe, but especially Osaka and Kyoto before they go to Tokyo in the second week of January. Uh, Corkin stepped out at that point, I would probably argue, you know? So unless things change, this is just kind of something to anticipate and to keep an eye on. Like, I don't have any reason to believe that February will be bad, but it is something that, hey, you know, that they do four Corkins now in a two-month period, which for a while that was never more than once a month. And, you know, by the t- I'm interested in seeing case. How many times Corkin Hall has already been run in 2023? I would not be surprised if we're talking about 20 to 30 shows. Yeah, look, the, the pattern that's established here is attendance being down in January year over year over year. There was no pattern in, in Drangi being down in the Tokyo area because they just did two really strong houses for still COVID era attendance in December. And to answer your question, there's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then Drangate were nine and ten Corkin shows this year. Oh, there's gotta be more than that. I've got one zero one show, one big Japan, two all Japan, one DDT, one Tokyo Joshi Pro, one Stardom, two Noah, and two Drangate. And real quick, I just I look, I this is not the podcast where positive things about Noah are said, but this is related to Drangate. On the January 8th Noah reboot show, Satoshi Kojima and Shuji Kondo versus Katsuhiko Nakajima and Seki Yoshioka. That is a four-star match. You should go watch that. Yep, those are four wrestlers I can believe will have a four-star match in Noah. Yes. Yeah, yes, very yes. good. I, so, I, go go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I'm I'm probably looking at a different data source than you are, Case, and I'm getting 11, too. But you, you're looking at these shows, and by the time that... Dragon Gate is running. You've already had two Noah, a Stardom, a Tokyo Joshi Pro always has a big show. They have the biggest number right now of the year. And no one's doing the 1400s like Dragon Gate was doing or the complete sellouts like 1588s that some of those other shows was getting. It is attendance in January is down across the board. There, I found it interesting a lot of people were down on this title change, even if they weren't down on the match. Now, to me, again, that goes to the point that, hey, look, they told the story they were trying to tell with Yoshioka, and it was a success. They got out at his peak, and it's 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 one of those deals where him losing is actually probably beneficial to him in the long run because we don't have... There's no dead weight to this title run. You know, every match was great, and I think that's really important for him. There are questions about Shun Skywalker going forward and who who is going to challenge him. And I think Drangate's in a really interesting predicament because of all the guys that Yoshioka just wrestled. Because if you told me six months ago, hey, we're going to put the Dreamgate belt back on Shun, my mind goes to, well, I want to see an Ata rematch because I think there's a ton of money in Shun versus Ata again. And they've got to do Shun versus Mochizuki to cap off the Mochizuki Dojo story, they haven't had a singles match since Shun turned heel. I think that'd be super interesting to do. You've knocked out those guys, and you've knocked out Ben K, who, you know, like we talked about, class of 2016, generational rival to, to Shun Skywalker. They're, they're going to be in a very interesting position during this Shun run. Is there anybody that jumps out to you, Mike, as somebody that should absolutely challenge for the Dreamgate belt 
no matter how long or short this reign is, somebody that needs a Dreamgate match versus Shun Skywalker. I think if you don't get a Doi match soon, you're probably going to miss out on ever having another one. So I think as you guys do Doi, and I would look at, I, I know with Ray to Perry House, that's going to change a lot of things, but I'm still looking at Champion Gate Doi defense. I, still, I, I think they kind of got to. This is not the week to do this. I have a very long Naruki Doi discussion that I want to have at some point. I, I think Doi versus Shun is a super interesting match. I can't remember off the top of my head those two ever wrestling in a singles match. I'm running the cage match right now to see if that's ever happened, but that's just one of those... That's like... That's just one of those... Yeah, they, they have not had a singles match. So that is a match that I would like to see. I think the number one with the bullet match that they have to do and the calendar lines up for it, the momentum lines up for it, the characters line up for it. I think we have to do Shun versus Kakuta at Dead or Alive this year. And for newer fans that might not know the story, 2021, Kakuta is 11 months and a few days into his wrestling career. Shun Skywalker is the Dreamgate champion. Shun's the babyface. Kakuta's the heel. They go into Dead or Alive and have the youngest Open the Dreamgate championship match. 90 seconds in, Kakuta blows out his shoulder. The match is called off. It is an incredibly awkward and incredibly sad scene. You have a chance to do the rematch here, and you have the benefit of Kakuta being seemingly a white-hot babyface and, and Skywalker being a red-hot heel. And I think that is going to make this title switch by itself entirely worth it. Yeah, especially since there might be other big things happening at that Nagoya show. So, yeah, no, I, I think that that's an obvious one there, too. Uh, and it's something that you look at Kakuta, I can easily see the next two and a half months positioning himself into, like, mid-April, going like, okay, here's your dream key. Like, it, the, the path there is so obvious there. Completely. And then from there... In the way that Yoshioka spent his Dreamgate run battling the old guard, I think you have to pivot, and I think we're going to see a lot of young guys wrestling Shun Skywalker. I, I, I would still lump Shimizu into that young guy class. I think he needs to be in the mix. I think we'll see another Coach Minora challenge. And then our attention has to turn overseas for a second, and the idea that, look, at some point, SB Kento and Takuma Fujiwara are coming back. And I think Kento is the name that you need to pay attention to here. To my knowledge, as of the time we're recording this, January 17th of this year, I do not know of another booking that SB Kento has in North America. My eyeballs immediately go to the AAA World Cup that is happening on March 19th. And the fact that there's going to be a Japanese team represented in that tournament, the obvious thing to do there is SB Kento and Takuma Fujiwara in either Nishikawa, or I was talking to somebody today who suggested, hey, maybe it's maybe it's Kento, Fujiwara, and Ultimo. They try to get a big star in for this World Cup tournament, whatever it may be. It seems obvious, given that they've been working AAA more and more recently, that they would be in that tournament. But SB Kento, to my knowledge... I have not seen him on a flyer for a North American show, United States or Mexico anytime soon. And I spoke to somebody this weekend who is involved in independent wrestling. Mike, SB Kento's getting around. That is a name 
that people are starting to catch on to. There are people in indie wrestling that want to be in the SB Kento business. And the person that I was discussing with this, uh, this topic with this weekend was very much unsure of if SB Kento was available or not. And that was kind of where the conversation was left was this is somebody that they think they can get their indie to book that it seems like somebody that that indie is interested in courting. They don't know if they can book him because they don't know how long he's going to be in America. I should note, this is briefly off topic. La Estrella's name came up and this is now the second promoter. And I don't, I, I, I apologize to this person. If they hear this, I don't think I'm speaking off uh, out of turn here. This is the second promoter that we know of that has seen footage of La Estrella wrestle. And they said, you know what? I'm good. I understand he's a Dragon Gate guy. I understand that's important. I'm good. Australia is widely available and will be available for available for a long time. Kento is becoming a hot commodity, and I think that's worth noting. And I think he's going to come back to Japan, and I think he's going to wrestle Shun Skywalker for the Dreamgate belt sooner rather than later. Yeah, and yeah, since so Lucha World Cup, middle of March. I still think that I I would not be surprised if he's still based in North America through that. Uh, after that, that's when things I I would think would be get kind of dicey. But next six weeks, I mean that that's like six weeks away if you think about it. Yeah, so it's it's very realistic he ends up there, and then after that, I I would assume they want to have him either back by Dead or Alive or returning at Dead or Alive to get that hometown pop. So I I think his days in North America are numbered. And I think he's coming back, not as a member of Zebrats. I think he's coming back and will challenge Shun Skywalker for the Dreamgate belt. So we'll see what happens there. But ultimately, I look at this title change as a net positive. Yoshioka was a brilliant champion. He will be a brilliant champion again one day. But I'm very excited to see where Shun Skywalker goes with this. The other thing that I'll, I'll note here real quick, obviously, his history with KZ, the ongoing Zebrats versus Natural Vibes thing, you have to think we're getting Skywalker versus KZ at some point during this run i think the betting odds favorite right now would be that casey dethrones skywalker do you think that is a realistic possibility yeah i it, it like the point i was going to bring up is that people who thought that uh casey had a very quiet 2022 guess what he is now very likely to get a title shot very soon <laughs> you know just because of how you laid off about how all the people who that you know Dragon Gate doesn't often give people two title shots in one calendar year. So KZ now, I think, really comes into play. I I just think that I, from what I've seen from SBK recently and the, the kind of matches he's having, I think that maybe that the, we could be getting that coronation that we were expecting. So I don't think it's KZ this time. My quick pivot here is I think we're done with the Streamgate discussion. Have you checked Twitter as we've been recording this a weird on-air production meeting? Yes, I have. Yes. Uh, have you seen the news of Jay Briscoe? Yes, I have. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, by now, everybody listening to this is unfortunately aware of the news that Tony Khan confirmed this evening that Jay Briscoe has passed away, uh, seemingly due to a car accident. Awful news. I, I, uh, I'm very, very saddened by this as somebody that, you know, likes good wrestling and Jay Briscoe was one to do that real quick before we move on. We'll talk about the high end units of Spans matches just a second, but Mike, do you have any thoughts on Jay Briscoe here? I, I mean, immediately like 
family you know first and foremost like i think like that's the one thing like outside of you know the wrestling that was always very intrinsic about jay briscoe if not the whole entire briscoe's act and it was real was the briscoe family and and all of that the like that's immediately like where it's going to go like i know that there will be a lot of discussions of legacy and, and stuff like that but i but you know i think those discussions really are to come later you know i mean it's just just sad yeah it leaves behind a family with some pretty young children so it's it's awful i i i'm i'm very saddened by this and he was i mean mike he was i think only 38 which is absurd because he's been wrestling almost 25 years but that is that is awful news that i just wanted to be sure that we we mentioned here at some point as it it broke as we started recording so uh, thoughts to the the briscoe family that is terrible terrible news and uh, uh that's uh that that's all i have to say on that yeah no for sure thoughts uh to the entire briscoe family here um I, I guess since we were talking about the 12th cork and were there other big notes from the 12th that you wanted to touch on? I think the other thing that has to be discussed in terms of this show is the seeming rise of Mochizuki Jr. You know, the uh, match yes. third from the top, <laughs> KZ and Strong Machine J versus Masaki Mochizuki and Mochizuki Jr. And Mike, you can walk us through this, but it appears that Mochizuki Jr. is rebelling against his father for the first time. It appears that he had he's done being a daddy's boy, that he's gonna fight his own fights. How cool was that like throughout the match? Like just right in the middle of it, just go like, No, I'm done with this dad. Uh I, I because it was like in the middle of a stretch where this match was KZ and Strong Machine J versus the Mochizukis, where just can just nonstop pinfall attempts going on that that uh, Mochizuki kept on breaking up and then eventually junior like basically says let me take this fight against kz they had like a full knockdown drag out and then he triumphantly walked over his dad and went for the tagging and and, and tagged out and god what a moment that was like it, it was something especially i mean he's now at the six month point like that's that's like a nice step forward for for him to see Oh, it, it's a really interesting development just in his character in terms of you know what what were they going to do to break themselves out of the mold of dad saving the kid time after time again? And they have found a way to do it. It's not an immediate elevation. You know, Strong Machine J and KZ still got the win here. But I really like the way this was done. I, I like the way they've seemingly positioned, and maybe this is just my read on it, but it seems like Mochizuki Jr. is going to get a big win over Strong Machine J. And although we don't look at strong machine j is any sort of superstar that's still a pinfall that i i don't know to me that matters to me that's a nice a, a nice fall to get a a nice little boost of confidence there this entire thing i thought was incredibly well done yeah and and we'll get into this later that will probably be a match that happens later on this spring as they are not in the same blocks in ray de Prejas. so we won't be seeing that kind of spin out there but no i think it's something that for junior i mean it, it you constantly kind of have to tell yourself when you talk about junior that this this guy only was like considered like legally adult in japan for like the last month like and he has he only been wrestling for six months and like getting that sort of win over strong machine j who i mean 2018 we're, we're talking about with that like really puts us puts himself forward there and especially like 
as they're doing more stuff with his class as well, like as like the class of 2022 combining with 21 a little bit in some of these matches that we've been seeing to kick off this year, it's nice to see these things that I don't think we're going to be talking much about M3K past Kobe World this year. And I think that's good. I think that's those are the steps that need to happen. I, and I think that we won't be talking about M3K because Mochizuki Jr., the reason why M3K was brought back, will be at a position that he does not need that anymore. And through the stuff with his class and through the stuff in this match, we're starting to see that. The, the, you know, 2022 was defined by a lot of roster movement, guys coming in, guys going out, and something about the the high-end unit disbands match really struck me as going like, oh, we're, we're not at the tip of the iceberg yet in terms of guys either leaving or just no longer feeling relevant because there are guys like Mochizuki Jr. and guys like Strong Machine J that deserve these spots on the roster. And if Drangate finds that there's no business dip or that there's, you know, at least if it's sustainable that they can be in match six instead of a Yamato or a Kagatora, which is a name that we'll discuss in just a second, they are going to go with the youth. I, I wish more wrestling promotions would be as aggressive as Drangate is because I mean, there are some there are some thirty year olds on the Drangate roster where you go, oh boy, these guys are getting up there in age. These guys feel a little outdated right now. It is it, it's a good problem to have, and I think something that's only going to intensify within the next year. And if we want to kind of like expand this to like a macro thought, like the fact that someone is producing these young wrestlers at the very least is is a net good for an industry that who knows, like Naruki Doi is, is working everywhere now. And that's good for pro wrestling in Japan. Like, like people can go say, hey, we could use Naruki Doi for this. These wrestlers that feel like the young generation going, uh, breathing down their neck, it's not necessarily like the worst thing that that's happening because maybe it's one, it used to always be the dojo kids that would flame out, would appear somewhere else and would become a star there. But maybe it is something that with the promotion where it is that you will start to see that more and more. And I think that's probably a net good for the rest of the industry. It, I, Mike, I, I wish every promotion had this problem where there were 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds knocking down the door, elevating themselves, progressing incredibly quickly to a point where again, Naruki Doi major star Drangate said, we don't need this guy on every show. And that is such a luxury. That is such a beautiful thing that although I am far more bullish on new Japan's future than I was maybe six, eight months ago, I'm still, you know, I, I still think there's some pump the brakes level New Japan praise going on where I go, ah, I, I don't know if they're out of the woods just yet, but all Japan is begging and pleading and crawling on their knees for Takuya Nomura to come into this promotion. And I like Nomura. I really do. Not somebody that you would consider to be a major star, but they are so desperate for new blood that that is where they are going. Big Japan, irrelevant. Noah, retirement home, DDT, they've got young guys. Tell me if I am wrong, because I have been wrong on some DDT analysis on this show, because it's a promotion that I watch, but I don't have a close eye on. I don't think they have young guys that are business movers right now. If I am wrong, please correct me, Voices of Wrestling Discord. I, I'd be more than happy to come back and retract that. My my impression watching as a, a somebody who does about a monthly DDT catch-up they have talent, 
they don't have a box office cachet yet. Dragon Gate seems to be in the position where they have talent and they're connecting with the fans. Yeah, from what I can tell, that seems to be the case. And it's slower for the, the stars they were hoping to pick up immediately didn't necessarily pick up immediately. But I, I'm in a very sim- similar situation as you when talking about DDT. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's talk about this high-end unit disbands match. Yeah, so on the 11th of January, Corkin, it was the high-end alliance, as it became known, versus Zebrats. Uh, Losing unit must disband all-out war elimination tag match. Uh, They basically set this thing up saying, okay, we're going to have, we'll announce the rules, we'll announce the rules. And they announced it the night of, and it's just, hey, we're just going to do a standard uh, disbands match. And... It happened, case. I mean, it, it it's something that, like, and as a part of my review, I try to, like, tackle this and, and try to come to terms with this. Like, the big thing about these disbands match and the trope within the dragon system is you have to get the crowd invested in it. You have to get the crowd in to it that, like, if you, like, we've laid out the stats before. Like, the babyface unit is going to lose these matches. But you have to get the those moments of investment in there that you can go like no because uh, Masato Yoshino stepped in front of the Lariat uh, Monster Express. No, they're going to survive this. They're going to spread this. How do you do that? How did how could you do that with high end? And that was the problem with this kind of match. And you know Kagatora coming back partway through. Rad to see Kagatora in his really good tights. I'm glad he's still keeping those tights after high end. Those are his best. Heights he's had his entire career, but you had a disbands match that it ended with the one person who you had to protect in this match because he had the Dreamgate match the next night, Shun Skywalker being the sole survivor after pinning Yamato with the SSW. So, it, am I off base in like my thoughts about this match that it's, you have to do what you can to get people to believe that High End is has a chance to win, and it just it was impossible to do, but it was a solid match for what it was outside of that. You're better about staying offline than I am when you haven't seen a big Drangate show. Did you watch this match knowing the result or no? No, I didn't because of the schedule, because I knew I needed to get this review out in time because of the bigger review the next day. I watched this unspoiled. First of all, your dedication to service is appreciated. Thank you very much. Second of all, I watched this match live as it happened and I will say that there was a near fall down the stretch with Yamato on Shun that got me. And that in that moment, I was really sucked into the idea that I might not like it. I don't know where they'd go with it, but there's a real possibility that high end wins this match. I, I like this much more than you did. I went four and a quarter on it. You and your review went three and a half. I, I thought the layout of this match was fascinating. They get Problem Dragon and Yoshida out of there early, which I was not expecting. They just beat those guys like a drum and moved on. There's some good Dragon Kid stuff. There's some good Yamato stuff. The big spot here is obviously Kagatora coming back and running wild. 
which as I sat here and thought about what we were going to talk about tonight, my big takeaway from that was it's a shame that Kagatora's comeback wasn't also his retirement because the next night that January 12th show, this man felt so out of place and contemporary Dragon Gate. He made a great comeback, big spot, great save, loved the whole thing in the unit disbands match. And once he was out of that zone, oh my God, no one feels just more data than Kagatora does in contemporary Dragon Gate. At least he still has the really cool tights. <laughs> that is true. He does. He does look very good. <laughs> the, the, I just the, the tights are the, the the only interesting thing about Kagatora when he's not in a program at this point for me. And, and I don't. I don't see a scenario in which, unless they do the Kagatora unit sweepstakes again, I just don't see a scenario in which he's really ever doing anything of interest. I I think his running in this match might be the final high point in, in Kagatora's career, which, look, good career. I, I think an overachiever to some degree and an underachiever in others. It's just one of those deals where he just doesn't, he doesn't really fit in with the current landscape anymore. And that was, that was part of the issue with high end. But to your, answer your question before I kind of go on the history of high end, just to remind people of how this unit came to be and what they were, I liked the match way more than you did because I thought the layout of the match was super interesting. Oh, I think you're entirely justified with that. I just, it was something that, like, for me, I needed to have, like, that doubt. And I, like, he, I, I know which Nerfall you're talking about, and it did spike me, but I, it didn't. But I could totally get people who are much more into high-end wrestlers, and and, and the way you, you lay, the, the layout of the match was very, very smart. Get the scrubs out of the way, and then you have, okay... How is high end going to overcome the odds? Well, Kagatora comes back. Kagatora runs wild, and then eventually, you know, it grinds down, and Trin Skywalker wins. Like the layout was great there. I just, I need some doubt in these matches, and it just was never going to happen here. It, that's that's ultimately the difference. They got me towards the end of this. They did not get you, and that that goes to a greater issue of high end will go down as one of the worst units, I think, in Dragon Gate history. Now, there have been units that have been actively bad, and I point to Antios and parts of Overgeneration and, depending on my mood, Deep Drunkers, but this was a unit, I'll get into this in just a second, but my big picture takeaway is they were just so unspectacular. My takeaway is that you have two of your... If not Mount Rushmore, well, one of them will be on the Mount Rushmore. The other one will be nearby. Stars in a unit, and sometimes the parts of a unit are much, much greater than the combined mass because it just never got going. No, I went back and I, I read some writing that you did before Memorial Gate 2021, which is right after this unit formed, and you had the correct assessment of it. It seemed like these guys were being positioned in a way to become the new maximum, to become the new super face unit. And they, it, it, it's funny to say in a unit with Dragon Kid in a unit that had a open the Dream Gate champion for four months, that they never reached that potential in terms of star power, but they never reached that potential in terms of star power. You had the last run of Yamato as the ace, as the Dream Gate champion. And that's the only title run that, that they had. And, no one's going to think, oh, yeah, uh, that high-end Yamato. No, they're like, oh, yeah, that was his last title run before 
that unit broke up and, and, he, and that he said that he's not going into a unit into the near future and kind of tipped his hand about that. You know, like, that's what it's going to be known more for is, oh, wait, that was high end. Like, three years from now, Case, we'll go like, oh, wait, that was high end. I guarantee it. Yeah, so they form officially on March 4th, 2021, the founding members being Yamato, Dragon Kid, Ben K, and Kaisuke Akuda. Akuda at this point was the Open the Brave Gate champion, which is worth noting the champions of high end that will come back in just a minute. The first big program they're involved with is they're all in this Dragon Kid versus SB Kento program, which obviously leads to the Dead or Alive match, which was Yamato and Kai versus Dragon Kid and SB Kento that turned into a Dragon Kid versus SB Kento hair match. I, I knew they were in trouble because, Mike, if you remember early 2021, there's like that period. It's February, March, and April, and then the May Corker ended up being canceled. But there's that three-month stretch where the main events of Cork and Hall shows were all like under 10 minutes or under 15. And it was mostly, if not all, this program. And it was because they were up against the curfew that was in place in Tokyo at the time. But they were these awkward main events that would leave me feeling so cold because right when they would get going, they would end. And that was that when I think of early high end, I think of really, really short Cork and main events. You know what I think about early high end? The Kagatora tour of units where he pointed out the fact that no one in that unit was good on a microphone and that he would join because they needed help. How right was he? Uh, he was he was terrifyingly right. So Kagatora does sort of a, a, a unit tour where you know he's wrestling with Masquerade, he's wrestling with Natural Vibes. I believe, did he do a match with R.E.D.? Yes, he did because he was like, bridge book uh something or other. that's right that was an interesting match that was yeah, yeah. Th that was i like that gimmick i i don't want them to bring the back that bring that back with kagatora but i would like them to do that again at some point so anyways kagatora officially joins high end in june of 2021 at that june cork and hall show the camp gate finals that is really like the notable high-end things, you know, Akuda leaves the company in June of 2022. Ben leaves in August of 2022 to join gold class. Mike, I, I want to run through a bizarre statistic that I found regarding high-end. Okay. All right. I wonder what this can be possibly be about high-end. Okay. What is it? So like I said, when the unit formed, Kaisuke Akuda was open the Brave Gate champion. He's been all of 2020 having these phenomenal matches, this phenomenal program with Kaito Ishida. He finally wins the Brave Gate belt, and the Brave Gate belt turned out to be death on Akuda. He just he could not adapt to the Dragon Gate style. He was still doing Akuda style, and it, as it turned out, it just did not work. So Akuda begins this unit as Brave Gate champion. On August 1st, Yamato wins the Open the Dream Gate belt, and Kagatora wins the Open the Brave Gate belt. Kagatora would lose that belt seven days later to SB Kento. Yamato would lose that belt in December to Kai. Also, in 2021, they lose a Twin Gate match. That same show, High End, uh, High End on the Speed Star final show, they're in all of the title matches, uh, or at least almost all of them, because they lose the Twin Gate match on that show. Ben K and Dragon Kid failed to secure the Twin Gate belts from Shimizu and Susumu. Gate of Destiny 2021, 
there is a triangle gate match where Ben, Dragon Kid, and Kagatora lose the triangle gate uh, challenge to R.E.D. And then 2022 happens. And outside of the Yamato versus Yuki Yoshioka Open the Dreamgate match, Mike, High End did not wrestle a title match in 2022. And I think that is insane. Especially, again, this is a unit with Yamato and Dragon Kid. Yeah, so, because I'm not, I'm not, well, uh, you know what, Dragon Kid and Hyo, that's the other one. So on the same show, they loaded up, so it was the same show, it was Yamato versus Yoshioka and Hyo versus Dragon Kid. No Twin Gate challenges, and in the mess of the Triangle Gate division last year, not a single high-end Triangle Gate defense, which I say insane, and I, I perhaps had a little bit of rage in my voice, like it was a bad thing, but it's not. High-end did not warrant any title challenges last year. And I think that's the greatest depiction of this unit and their star power or lack thereof was natural vibes challenge for every belt multiple times last year. M3K was in the fold. Gold class was in the fold. High end was a road to unit. They, they were somebody that could main event a Fukuoka show to get you to a bigger match in Tokyo. It is bizarre to think about them that way, but they were just never a top of the line unit. They were later days Blue Justice Army in a world with the Bullet Club. That's uh, that's a very uh, uh, apt way of putting it. Uh, I my my forever memory of High End will be the Okinawa tour in June of this year, where Ashita was gone. It was Akuda's last weekend. I'm sorry, it might it might have been Ashita's last weekend and Akuda's last weekend, and they ran High End versus Gold Class on those shows. And they were the most dry, the most boring, the most uneventful six-man tag main events that I have ever seen. And you can go back to the audio. I railed against High End at that time. Uh, you know, in the spring of last year, I really got fed up with this unit because Yamato wasn't doing anything interesting. Dragon Kid is always good, but wasn't doing anything interesting in the start of 2022. Ben K, his star power had been entirely depleted. Okuda was at that point old news and Kagatora is Kagatora. And for me, that is a very low ceiling. He, he is somebody that can have great matches, but I do not care about Kagatora as an entity, as a star. And this unit was dying a death on these shows. And it's not until we exited Kobe World when Ben K finally left that weirdly, the less people that were involved in high end, the better. Yeah, I mean, the fact that even like entertain, entertaining the idea of problem dragon being an assistant to this unit tells you a whole lot you know i mean someone who has done nothing other than oh he technically was a part of team dragon gate during the three-way generational war ever since over generation died like it this is they didn't warrant anymore because they didn't deserve anymore like that's what it boils down to like there's just no justification other than i re- other than those who really love the okuda versus Ishida matches and we saw the result of going with that play out in real time with Okuda by himself. It, it, it raises the question of where do the guys go from here? Like I said, to me, Kag- Kagatora is just such a non-entity, and maybe you feel otherwise, but I just don't see a future in which he does anything remotely interesting for the rest of his career. And I see him being a guy that begins taking Michinoku Pro dates, Osaka Pro dates, Ryuku Dragon dates, 
anything that isn't Dragon Gate proper, I think Kagatora in the near future, and this is not a report, this is pure speculation, I can see him taking on more of a Naruki Doi schedule. Yeah, no, I would uh, not be... If I was someone who was married to the idea of Kagatora and Dragon Gate outside of the near future, I would disabuse you of that notion. I think the writing eventually will be on the wall there with him. I'll I'll put it that way, and that's that that's just conjecture and that's just vibes. That's not me saying anything. It, as you're saying, like I fully I I think it's more realistic that Kagatora appears in Cork and Hall more so with Michinoku Pro in 2026 than he does with Dragon Gate. He turned 40 last year. He's not a main event guy. Has never been a main event guy. His best work is in tag teams, and unless I'm missing something here and i don't think i am he's not in the upcoming tag team tournament and that kind of says all we need to know about him yeah so uh the the next person we have out of this list i guess really that we actually weirdly can talk about first is yamato because yamato has stated that he is taking a step back he's exiting the unit battlefield so it kind of hit me during the matches the next night uh when he was in the vets match uh for the first time, basically, since he, in the lead up to like 2009, Yamato is not at the forefront. Uh, he's not a frontline player for the first time. Uh, this this goes back to the conversation we had earlier. I mean, Drangate will not get the roses they deserve for this. And, and maybe this will come back to bite them in the butt. The same way that the initial push of the big six did, and they had to go back to Shima and Mochizuki for a little bit. Maybe they have to go back to Yamato at the start of 2024. But for their top star, which is unequivocally Yamato, with I, I think you know some combination of Ata, Dragon Kid, and Yoshioka following behind, for him to say, I'm not interested in being in a unit right now, remarkable feat of booking over the last 12 months to get them in this position. Yeah, and if you look at how much Yamato was in the States last year, I think that with things positioning in 2023 the way that they seem, at least as of January 17th, I think that he's probably going to be more than an ambassador to the world, kind of like a role in 2023. So, so why would you have a unit being burdened down by the ace-like figure who's not going to be around full-time? And I think this ha- th- this upcoming year could be one of the most interesting years of Yamato's entire career, because not only is he going to continue to be a focus in Drangate's North American expansion and, and you know, the, the business of the North American expansion, Yamato seems to have a heavy hand in, but it struck me watching the January 12th show as he's teaming with Doi and Kondo and Fuji against the rookies. That's all I want to see 2023 Yamato should be one of the most accessible wrestlers in the world. He should be wrestling in America and he should be wrestling on the opening Dragon Gate match that is broadcast on YouTube. The The idea, but my goal, if I were him this year, every match he has should be free somewhere because I want him to be in these opening matches and I want him to go work in America. And I think that's a real possibility. Him being away from the main event scene, is so exciting 
to me because we've seen Yamato in the main event for a decade and we know what he can do and he's been great at it but at times he's been grading and at times they've gone back to him when they when I haven't wanted them to and it's been incredibly frustrating I want to see him drop kick Kaito Nagano from here to December that's all I want from him this year I'm ecstatic about his future the only team I want to hear about him in after Ray de Perejas is his fun buddy cop team with Don Fuji as they beat the crap out of rookies. Like, they're going to put it behind themselves. 2023 is a year of mending fences in a lot of ways, Case. Completely. I, I think he's going to have a very, very fun 2023, and I think people that have been burnt out on Yamada the main eventer are going to fall back in love with him this year, which is quite frankly something I went through in 2021 oh, yeah. when Yamato didn't have the Dreamgate belt, but all of a sudden, like he had that King of Gate where he was doing grappling Yamato and we were raving about those matches because they were so much fun. They were so different than a 35 minute Yamato Dreamgate match. And even with his Dreamgate run at the end of 2021, which I had issues with in terms of the booking, the matches were great. And he's been a very, very enjoyable in-ring competitor. I think 2023 could weirdly go down as one of the best Yamato years of his career. Yeah, and it's something that I think that just for like the sake of like distance in a lot of ways, it's going to be he's going to have some more runs. It is not he is not going to be someone that that, that is going to be uh, taking those bookings and then moving elsewhere. Like that's not the position for this. Like. Him taking this step back not only is going to have like an exciting 2023, but 2024, 2025, because Yamato's in great shape, all things considered. Like when we talk about people like this, like Yamato, there's no reason to believe that he will not figure into future unit shovels. It's just this one, he will be the ambassador to the world, hopefully YouTube's most broadcast man in 2023. That leaves the giant question mark case, Dragon Kid. I have no idea what you do with, with a near 50-year-old mascot who does not really show any indication of aging, even though he should be aging at this point. You, I don't know what you do with Dragon Kid. Do you put him in D-Courage? You might as well. I think you can put him in D-Courage. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. It, I don't think the story between he and Ata is over just yet, and I, I could see if Ata's going to join a unit, if he's going to play ball this year, I think Dragon Kid could be involved. And and I do think a unit of Ata, Dragon Kid, Espy Kento, Fujiwara, and who, you know, Nishikawa, whoever else. I I think that's a very realistic possibility. That's not just fantasy booking. I could very easily see them going in that direction. The beauty of Dragon Kid, as long as you don't turn him heel, he can he can do anything. And if that means he's wrestling young guys, great, because they're gonna get much better as a result of wrestling Dragon Kid every day. If they want to, you know, something I thought about was, uh, not Yamato, but Dragon Kid versus Shun as a Dreamgate match. Look, the result will never be in question, but that's a match that could fill whatever building you put it in, and I think that would be a very exciting match. And you could easily do that in Nagoya. You know, like, you're looking for that or a live man event, there's always the Dragon Gate card there. Yes, I, I, I would hope that they would lean on Kakuta there and do that, but if they decide not to, then Shun versus Dragon Kid is such an easy backup plan. If you're in Dolphins Arena, you will see a little, like, paint of glass. You would think that it would be something they usually, in the States, use for, like, calling the fire department, get the extinguishers going. 
no, it's just a photo of Dragon Kid, and that's just what you use if you need to find a dead or alive fan event, and you don't really have a good program going at that time. But completely, yeah, it, it, it does feel like that that him and Ada always have a thing going on, and you could always like play off of that. And it does really feel like that when SB and Takuma Fujiwara come back, they are going to be a joint thing. You know, I mean, one of them might be like SB. We could be talking about coronation and Takuma. We could be talking about okay, he's already figuring his his way up the card now as an adult. But I think that the Ata DK SBK uh, Takuma Nishikawa any friends to pick up along the way. It's been about it's been almost a decade since millennials. It might be time to revive that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think the future is very bright for Dragon Kid and very bright for Yamato as they transition into another stage in their career. I don't think Kagatora is going to have as smooth of a transition. Yeah, no, I think that that's very fair to say. Also on the 12th show, unless you had any more thoughts about high end. No, go ahead. Also on the show, in match two on the 11th, we had the debut of... The next step for Kaito Nagano, his name is not changing. However, he has let us learn something about him, and that is that Kaito Nagano is a big soccer fan, and his brother actually plays in the J-League. So Ultimo Dragon, he's never found a sports enthusiast gimmick he has not liked, and especially after the heels of a deep run for Japan in the World Cup. And so now Kaito Nagano is a soccer boy. Yeah, shout out to friend of the show, Lorenzo. I believe he was the one that dug that up, and that is great information to have about Nagano's brother being in the J-League. I, I mean, this gimmick is five stars. I, I think it's going to annoy some people, but I also think it's the perfect thing for him at this stage in his career. He'll have plenty of time to be a serious professional wrestler. This gets him entrance music that is chantable and, and is a sing-along song, which obviously does him no good right now, but the hope is by the spring that it does him some benefits. Uh, the, the whole packaging of this, including him fucking up his entrance on both shows, I loved it all. Yeah, I mean, I never got that kind of dribbling down case. Like, you, you never played much soccer growing up, did you? No, no, not my thing. No, no, I, I mean, like, I, I, I can get it bouncing like once or twice between my knees but after that you know you, you've lost it and i think that it's a, a good thing for nagano that they went this route instead of go like okay now we have been Sito. you know that it very easily like there were paths ahead and he was going to be forced in a couple of lanes a sports enthusiast character because we could see what the next 24 months will be for him don fuji is going to steal the ball eventually there you go you have a couple month storyline there and it's just very easy to see like the route ahead. And I feel like it's a brighter route ahead than if you like, who's to say like, if you do another mascot character for gold class, it works out. So I think this is great for him. And it's something that again, we get that the Don Fuji gets to steal something again. And that's good. It's good to have that for our seniors out there. That's honestly a great call that that is as good of as me saying that Shun's going to win the Dreamgate belt. Don Fuji is stealing that soccer ball at some point, And that is a two or three month program. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get real familiar with how good Don Fuji is at dribbling a soccer ball. Like that, that, that is something you could etch that in stone by the end of twenty twenty four. 
Yeah, that's 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 a really good point. They are absolutely doing that. Uh, look, it's it's something for him to do and a reason for him to possibly win matches. And I don't see how that could be considered to be a bad thing. And I don't like it's a Dragon undercard wrestler. The soccer gimmick is fine. He's going to be OK. Again, there's plenty of time for him in his career to be a serious, tough guy. Let him have this for now. I mean, also, soccer wrestler wins a big match. Like, the celebrations are going to be crazy. Like, yes, he, there's there's so much that Dragon Gate specifically can do and can get right about this. I mean, he's going to have to, like, get really good at, like, crying on the spot if he, like, gets, like, a title run and then they have to insist of doing the Gleet thing of giving him medals. Like, he's going to, like, they're going to have to give this kid a bunch of medals if he becomes a champion. Like, they have to reenact, like, those kinds of ceremonies. You got to think the next pinfall he picks up, he's going to do a giant double knee slide across the ring. Oh, that's that actually does not sound super fun. I don't think he has knee pads on. They might want to like get that squared away. So Sumo, you might need to do some more like day of work for him because I could see like that's just going to tear those knees up real quick. That's yeah. Okay. I'm glad you caught some of that on Twitter where Susumu has seemingly taken a real liking to Nagano and he not only fixed his gear for him, but there's a photo. I'm pretty sure it's on Susumu's Twitter of Nagano and Mochizuki Jr. sitting next to each other on the bus. And it's right after the Kyoto show two weeks ago. And if you look at uh, Nagano's iPhone, they are watching back the match that they had on that show and it goes to something that somebody told me a while back uh, in regards to the Drangate Dojo that is when you are there it is wrestling 100% of the time you are lifting weights or you are in the ring or you are watching wrestling and that is I, I think to such a large degree why these guys are so good it's the immediate tape study it's the what can we do better it's the what can I take from somebody else that is going to make me better and it just it, I, I don't know if warm my heart is too corny or sounds too extreme it was cool to see that photo to see that work in action yeah, no, it, it's something that I like that the, the energy that like the class of 2022 displays like that, you know, like we've seen them now like tag all together and they'll throw in like Hyatt, they'll almost call them Hayakawa instead of Minorita. They'll throw in Minorita or Fuda, but I really enjoy like you you have you, you, you have Nagano, soccer boy, you have Mochi Jr. And then you have Yoshiki Kato, just like a great threesome right there. Completely. No, it's it's great work for the young guys. They're only getting better, and I'm I'm into the rise of Mochizuki Jr. I'm into the Nagano gimmick. I'm into Yoshiki Kato stepping up nose-to-nose with Shuji Kondo. There's just a lot to like from the young core right now. And speaking of that young core case, they will be on full display as Dragon Gate's 2023 continues as they announce on the 12th day, Revival of a Tag League. For the first time since 2016, there will be a tag tournament in Dragon Gate. Rey de Parejas, the spiritual uh, predecessor of what would later be the Summer Venture Tag League, has returned. It is 12 teams, two blocks, round robin play. Starts on February 3rd, runs until the March 2nd cork. And notable at that time, one of the teams not mentioned in this and not listed in the tournament is the Open the Twin Gate champions, Big Arshimizu and KZ Big Time. Because, Case. 
they're going to be in the States over February. So it seems like that the, it, we are probably, if not at Champion Gate, very soon after to have the whoever wins this tournament will probably get a Twin Gate shot at Champion Gate against Big Time. My money is that this will be the semi-main event of Champion Gate in Osaka Night 2. I, I, that's not confirmed like you said, but I, I'm led to believe that it will be the semi-main of Champion Gate Night 2, the winner of this tournament. Yeah, no, and if past precedent is any indication, that makes all the sense in the world here. So they announced the night of at least the, the matches for February 3rd. They've announced throughout the tournament. I think all matches have, full league play have been announced for this. We've got 12 teams. Uh, uh, first and foremost case, bringing back a tag tournament in early year February and March. Uh, what, what What's your big takeaway about bringing back uh, Ray de Parejas, first of all? Into it. I, I like the timing of this. I, I think it's better here in February, which is always, you know, you know, there's a history of Casey having great matches in February, but it's largely a pretty dull month for the promotion. This gives everybody something to do on the big shows and on the house shows. And I'm, you know, it's been six years, like you said, or not six years. It's been eight or how, how long ago was 2016? Jesus Christ. It, seven. It been seven years this summer. Yeah. The, the important thing to note is the last time they did a tag league, Ben K was still known as Futa Nakamura. That's how long it's been. So I, I'm into the idea of it. I'm into the timing of it. I'm into the teams of it. And I, I have to note off the bat, if you want to familiarize yourself with this tournament, Mike, I'm sending you a link right now to put in the show notes for this show. 2003, October 15th, the last time they did this tournament as a, as a tag team tournament. There was an incarnation of this tournament in 2004 to crown the first Triangle Gate champions, but the last time they did a straight two-on-two tournament uh, under this name, Shima and June versus Magnum Tokyo and Milano Collection. It's one of the best matches in Toriyaman history. I cannot recommend it enough. The fact that we could get a version of this 20 years later that is as good of a, a match as this, that's why I'm excited. That has to be June's best match of his career. By probably a full star. Yeah, hey, I don't keep up on secret base as much as I sh- as one should, but I, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I don't think that... Chofu Heartful Hall, he's having these five star bangers in. Yeah, so so for those that don't know, so it's June Agauchi. Is that a decent pronunciation of that name? Yeah, I uh, I I I think that's pretty close. And I'm glad that we the that the new rookie has not debuted yet because that name will be oh no clue. No, no, Jay said it and I did it. I mean, Jay stumbled through it. So it's uh, uh, just so that we could see how bad it's going to get. His name is. Taiki Yanagiuchi. And it's yeah, that's that's Why? not that's, yeah. that's we, we gotta I, get an all caps we, name we, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Taiki, Taiki. But yeah, no. So yeah, Jun Ogayuchi was a someone who was around for a long time before finally kind of landed. He was one of the many fifth members of Crazy Max, though. That's what he was most well known for. Got injured a whole lot. Ended up being like the figurehead of El Dorado and then El Dorado becoming secret face. And he's been fully fledged on that side, but he just kind of was a guy that was always kind of around and everyone was like, Oh yeah, maybe June, maybe June, maybe it'll be him. And 
just never panned out for that. He was he was hurt a whole lot. Yeah, so so he's a T2P guy. He's on the first T2P show. It's uh who was he, who did he wrestle on that show? Oh, he was Awashi's punching bag for the first part of T2P. So he's on that first T2P show. Like you said, hurt a lot, you know, misses most of 2002. And then in the summer of 2003, all of a sudden it's decided he is going to be in Crazy Max. And the the beauty and the detriment of a Toriumon push is that when they push somebody then, they went all in. And we saw that with Aganisu in 2004. And the year before we saw it with Yoon, he wins the, you know, the, the Michinoku Pro British Commonweight belt in the summer or in the fall rather. And then teams with Shima in this Ray Day uh, Paharis Tag League. And... You know, you just you have to think about your basic Torimon knowledge. It's Shima and Yoon versus Magnum Tokyo and Milano Collection AT. One of those names is not like the other three, and that is what the entire match is built around. If you have not seen it, like I said, Michael put a link in the show notes. Go watch that match. Yeah, and it's something that so I didn't want to just immediately repeat what you say, Case, about your thoughts overall about Red Parejas, there should always have been a bigger tournament in January and February because of how quiet the year is, as you were saying. Like, really, for for a long time, people would, would ask me, like, well, should I really bother with January, February? It's like, yeah, if there's, like, big matches, you should. But really, the year starts getting going in Osaka at Champion Gate. This pro- provides meaning, and it's something that I think it just kept on... Summer Venture Tag League kept on being snake bit by the schedule. They had to get rid of it, and you know, enough time has passed, and I think that this is the unequivocal right move, and I like the fact that they're going back to a Torimon name with it. Can you run down the lineup here real quick? All right, so 12 teams, and it's uh, some interesting pairings. Uh, not a lot of modern teams, but a lot of history and interesting stuff. So Yuki Yoshioka teaming with Madoka Kakuda out of D-Courage. So no original D-Courage, no... Daya and Kakuda. We'll get into what Daya is up to when we get in the next block. BB Hulk, the newest member of Gold Class. Somehow we have not talked about BB Hulk and Gold Class that much, guys. Yeah. Look, I like the way they did it because I kind of laid out the nightmare scenario last week, which yeah. is where which is where Hulk turns on Zebrats and then we get Shun versus Hulk at Champion Gate. Doesn't seem like they're doing that. Thank God. I did, you know, Mike, I have to get credit also. I didn't nail BB Hulk turning face on those shows as well. I I mean, the the difficulty, though, like if there was going, if we're talking about the tropes, there had to be a turn there and the one turn was going to be around BB Hulk. So I, I mean, I, I like I like the way they did it. You know, they, yeah. they ripped the bandaid off. They said, OK, he's gone. We're not dragging this out. Here's his new unit. Uh, as I wrote on my review of the January 12th show, the match between Gold, uh, Gold Class and Zebrats was appropriately violent. It wasn't a blood feud, but it felt like, okay, BB Hulk turned their back on these guys and they're a little upset. They'll have their Triangle Gate match in Kobe next week, and it'll probably be fine. I I, I don't know. I, I think Hulk will very quickly become just another guy, but for now, I'm okay with everything that's going on. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, they're running with, like, the beautiful genius thing, which is just great for Hulk, you know? It, it It's something that, like, we saw his last major heel run. This is what he can probably really do, would maybe do one more babyface uh, Dreamgate challenge, but, I mean, this is where he's at. Uh, I'm going to be very interested in seeing 
what BB Hulk looks like because the the the, the changes like just just putting on the gold class T shirt I don't think cuts it for that act. Yeah, I, I agree. I I hope this is the excuse to kind of get BB Hulk to look like he did during the Dia Hearts era. You know, let's go back to shiny pants. Let's go back to a brighter hair color. I this is this is a chance for BB Hulk to end his relevant in-ring career on a good note with a good look and I hope that's the direction they take it. Yeah, and as you said in your review, uh really as soon as he gets the chemistry with Menorita, that's when we know when things were off to the races. I thought the match was fine. He it, it it's something that, you know, it was very much like, oh, this is his first match and they're kind of getting their sea legs under this unit right now. Like, I, I'm more interested in seeing where he will be at, like, going into Champion Gate than where he is at this moment. I Like, I feel like that time will answer all the questions I have about this. I, I am of the belief that I think we're going to get another big Menorah main event push sometime sooner rather than later. And... I still think the focus or rather the attention will go to Ben K and Minorita. And that is something that both Hulk and Menorah are going to have to combat as the year progresses. Yep. So kind of the B team out gold class, those two in the A block, uh, the former open, the twin gate champion team, Jason Lee, Jackie, funky Kamei representing both natural vibes and Kobe Kung Fu masters are part of the A block along with class of 2022, Yoshiki Kato and Kaito Nagano. They won't be far away from their classmate as Mochizuki Jr. will be teaming with Masaki Mochizuki. The Mochizukis are in the A block. And then rounding it out, we have the first Z-Brats team of Hyo and Ishin. So just to go back through A block real quick, Yoshioka Kakuda, Hulk Minora, Lee Kamei, Kato Nagano, the Mochizukis, and Hyo and Ishin. What's the match that jumps out to you most or the matches? Well, I mean, class of 2022. I, I mean, that's naturally there. You, you do have on opening night uh, D Courage versus Gold Class. I mean, Yoshioka and Minor, they can't get away from each other. That's going to be something really to kind of keep your eyes on. The match, though, that I think if they really let this to kind of get time could be a whole lot of fun. I'm circling February 11th in Kyoto KBS Hall, and I'm looking at Jackie, Funky Kamei, and Jason Lee versus Nakano and Kaito. And Kato. Th- that's, that's one that's very much on my list. I wish that instead of doing the Mochizukis versus Zebrats on the February 3rd Cork and Hall show, I wish they were doing the Mochizukis versus Jason and Jackie on that show. Instead, that's going to be the next day in Shizuoka, and that match is going to be great. And I am under the assumption that all of these matches, that if they don't air on the network, they will make the YouTube channel like the King of Gate matches did last year. I am I am praying for that because I really want to see the Mochizukis versus the Kung Fu Masters. Oh, I'm absolutely with you on that. Uh, moving to the B block, we we figure out what Dragon Dai is doing as he's teaming with Dragon Kid. So the Dragons... Uh, We've seen them team a lot more in the later half of 2022 and this year, so that makes a lot of sense. Uh, ben K with Minorita, the original M2K team of Susumu Mochizuki and Azushi Kanda, the longest tenure team on this field, including a pair of father and sons. They've been together since 99. Uh, Strong Machine J has reactivated Strong Machine F to join him. Shun Skywalker is teaming with Kai. 
and the big team that they they shook hands and it looks like they're they're back together. Yamadoi, Yamato and Naruki Doi, the longest running and the most uh, defenses as a Twin Gate champion team. Their one run they had between multiple heel units. So Doi Yama, I feel like easily become like the the featured act of Block B. This is one of those deals. This feels so fresh. And this feels so exciting because you have to remember just how long this team has been apart. I mean, even in terms of tag leagues, the last tag league that they ran, it was Doi and Brother Yashi teaming with one another, and they went to the finals and they lost in Dragon Kid and Ata. It's been 2016, March of 2016, and I'll pull up the exact match here. March of 2016, or April rather, since the last proper doi and yamato two on two tag match i'm pulling it up here just to kind of look back at this card to paint a picture of how long it's been it was april 24th 2016 hakata star lanes doi and yamato versus cyber kong and shingo it was a road to dead or alive tag match with the main event of that show being a triangle gate match with tozawa yoshino and t-hawk three guys that are gone versus Horiguchi, Jimmy Susumu, and Ryo Jimmy Saito. That's how long ago it was that Doi and Yamato team one another, uh, team with one another. Yeah, and it just was something that like you had the handshake, the crowd erupted. Like that they, they held off for this. And you know, with with the position of Doi and Yamato, like this is like the nice thing about ending high end is that you can do this now and now instantly, like you have Doyama versus Ben and Rita. Doyama versus the dragons. I don't really I, I I guess there was a morbid curiosity in Doyama versus Sumo Kanda in 2023. Like I I'll watch that. Oh, completely. Yeah, no, I, I I'm th- there's not a matchup here in this entire tournament either block, with the exception of like maybe M3K versus the strong machines, that feels a little dry. Other than that, every combination of matches I'm into. Yeah, like, this is, like, the, the I was kind of surprised, like, when they announced this, and, like, I was spoiled before I watched the show, but, like, that's how it came out to be, okay, so I watched the 11th Unspoiled, the 12th Unspoiled, that's just the way of life, but I was kind of surprised not to hear immediately Let Corporation before saying Rey de Rey, Rey de Parejas, but because I've noticed something that since, since our good close personal friend, the Sponge Guy, got involved, there has not been a lot of like chaff in tournaments in Dragon Gate anymore. And you don't have a single fall post in this tournament, unless you want to technically count Hio and Minorita. It is 24. Like, if you were to ask me, like, other than, you know, Strong Machine F, list the 24 wrestlers you want to have in a tag team tournament in Dragon Gate at this moment in time, it's going to be pretty close. Like, maybe 22 out of 24 would be these names. You know, I, I'm glad you mentioned Hyo right there. Something to note. Last summer, SB Kento was on a major losing streak, and that's part of the reason he went to Mexico. Hyo right now on a major losing streak, or at least seemingly forming a major losing streak. That doesn't mean he's going to Mexico, but again, we talked about SB Kento coming back into the fold sometime soon. Keep an eye on that. But you're right. I mean, Yoshioka and Kakuta... Those are two big names, and it seems like they're priming Kakuta for some sort of big match, so I'm fascinated to see who takes the falls there. 
Hulk and Menorah say what you will about BB Hulk, but he's still very much protected. Jason and Jackie, uh, again, they're, they're not going to win this tournament. I think just by the sheer number of, you have to have guys lose. And those are guys that can be beat. Kato Nagano. We know the story there. I think they'll still want steal one or two matches, but they are not winners of the tournament. Mochizuki and Mochizuki Jr. is a fascinating uh, pairing, just given what we've talked about. And then Hyo and Ishin, I mean, would it surprise you if they come out of the block? I'm not saying they're the favorites, but it's not impossible. You can make just as justifiable an argument for that Zebrats team to win the block or to go or to bring up the rear. Like, you really could, because you could say, like, oh, the class of 2022, what when they get? Okay, uh, Kato breaks uh, Hyo's back. Okay, there we go. And then in the in the B block, you know, it's Yamato and Doi, it's Dragon Kid and Daya, it's Binke and Minorita. Minorita is a champion. The the only two obvious loss posts there are Kanda and Strong Machine F, and I I think those teams will be beat like a drum. Yeah, and it, it'll be interesting because I feel like the B block, like if they're as you laid out, they held off so long on Doyama. This does seem like that this is their tournament to lose. Completely. So that that's where that's where I want to go with this. Is you look at the last night of the tournament, they're in the Kobe Art Center, which they ran last year as well in February. And it, let's kind of do you know G one style math here, G one style predictions. Look at the teams that are involved in the last night. It's Minoru and Hulk versus Hyo and Ishin. It's Yoshioka and Kakuta versus Junior and Mochizuki. It's Yamato and Doi versus Mochizuki and Kanda. And it's the Strong Machines versus Shun Skywalker and Kai. So focusing on the A block there, you get the impression that it's going to come down to the Gold Class team, the Zebras team, the D-Courage team, and the Mochizukis. Is that a fair assessment there? Yeah, and to be honest, I think that you you did the natural vibe seem like, like they're fine. And then the rookies, like it has to be those four teams out of the block. Like if it in this scenario where at most they did two matches a night, those are the four teams. And I, you know, I, well, let's see, when does this tournament start? This starts at the beginning of February. Let's, you know what? Let, let's put our card to the table. Now let's kind of, let's kind of give our predictions for Ray de, uh, de Parejas 2023. Because I, I think this is a scenario where you can see Hyo and Ishin beating that gold class team and then D Courage beating the Mochizukis. And I, you know, Hyo and Ishin could very easily win this tournament. They actually, they might be my pick. Spicy. Okay. Uh, I look at Block B and I have a bigger calling out to me about Block B. So let me lay this out here for Block B. Uh, I think that you have these two matches set up that J and F will not be in the equation, but they will be the spoiler. Completely. So that, and I, I'm going to put a big shot here with this. With the way that sometimes the title matches will either be booked out a week in advance or two months in advance, you could... I'm just going to go out there. I'm probably wrong here. Strong Machine J pens Shun, and that sets up a match at uh, Champion Gate, and that eliminates Shun and Kai on the last night. Real, real. I, this is this is fantasy booking. This is a little sloppy, but ideas are coming to me now. Then that I really sit down and discuss this card with you. Is there a chance they do? And I like that idea. Is there a chance that Yamato and Doi come out of this tournament with the win? And you get KZ and Shimizu versus Yamato and Doi at Champion Gate with the idea being that KZ will pin Yamato clean. 
Yeah, and then you could have that uh, also, like, Shun versus Strong Machine J. Like, you get Strong Machine J's first title shot. He's been booked so strong. Really? You know? It, yeah, it, and that, you know, Yamato and Doi in a title match, it, it kind of, that that's going to be the draw hides there. The problem. Yep. Hides the problem if uh, SMJ isn't there. Because, yeah. so the, 2021, they did 500 fans. 2022, they did 510. And then 2020, they did 800. Can can Yamato and Doi challenging for the Twin Gate belts with Shun and uh, SMJ on top, can that bring in 500 fans to Osaka? I, I think so. Yeah, I would think, you know. And it, I just, like, like, I haven't really, like... I'm wondering at this point with restrictions and everything where it is, like you, you, you eat the 500 and you have clock crowds or you have loud crowds. I don't know if it's going to, if there really is going to become the cork in question, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. They just said 500 there with a, with a cheering crowd. There was no reason they can't do that again. Yeah. Yeah. So that is Ray de Perejas. We'll be updating you all. We'll be certain to make sure everyone is abreast as it goes through in February. It's nice to have, something of meaning in Dragon Gate before Champion Gate each year. Completely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like, I mean, you've been taking all these laps. I think I've mentioned like, oh, it was nice to have those, pre- like the Dream and Brave previews that gave something to do because that's what these months usually have are useless tournaments or six-man sacks. Let's have a tournament that matters. And that's what Rey de Perejas is. Case, uh, we mentioned a little bit about excursions dragon gate in usa we there was a lot of stuff that's happened though and will be happening with dragon gate in the united states uh first and foremost big time uh kz and big boss shimizu there's they've been announced now for garden state pro wrestling expect the unexpected as the twin gate champions and mlw is getting an open the twin gate championship match yeah, I am hoping that the Von Erichs challenge big time for the Twin Gate belts. I don't know if they still work there or not. I just love the idea of the Von Erichs being in the Dragon Gate lineage. Yeah, I mean, do you know how much that like big boss Shimizu that would make his day to face a Von Erich? <laughs> just he, the, he is the, like the, the one person of all of that. Yeah, he he is the one person under the age of forty on that roster who I think knows what a Von Erich is. Yes. Uh, I expect, and if you, if you don't know the history behind Big Boss Shimizu, I would expect a lot of Kevin Nash and Scott Hall tributes on this American tour. Those are his favorite wrestlers. It's so cool. It's so cool. Everyone else, Dragon Kid, Dragon Kid, Dragon Kid, Big Boss Shimizu, uh, Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon's my favorite wrestler of all time. <laughs> yes, I really like the work that Kevin Nash has done on WCW Nitro. <laughs> Very compelling worker. Vinny Vegas. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. Like, like we say this in chess, but it makes total sense that Vinny Vegas is Big Boss Shimizu's favorite wrestler. Yes, everything we learn about Shimizu's personal life makes a lot of sense with the way he's presented. <laughs> so they're going to be over in the States. However, this last weekend, case we talked a bit up top about SB Kento and how he's really like, like finally taking off the way that we kind of expected for him. And... Part of that has been what he has viewed as one of his home promotions now that he is in North America in deadlock as he had a world title match this last week in Concord against Lucky Ali and deadlock has started to get their turnaround really up. So we were able to check that 
match out in case SB Kento, I think we kind of got a glimpse of something tonight for watching this match. I put the link to the show on the Open the Voice Gate Twitter. It will probably be the most recent tweet on the account by the time most of you listen to this. I can't recommend it enough. It, it's a match that I almost went notebook on, but just more than it being a great match, if you are an SB Kento fan, if you care about Drangate, or you just care about good wrestling, this is a match that's worth your time because first and foremost, I am so impressed with Deadlock Pro. That is a professional operation. The lighting is good. The mix is good. The cameras are in HD. They have some semblance of post-production. And not to bang this drum again, but it is why I think the Brett Lauderdales and the BLP Mikeys and whoever else are bad for professional wrestling. They are making this hobby worse because there's a guy like Lucky Ali who is not a phenomenal wrestler by any means. Now, I would not call him great, but he is a wrestler that is good and that is worth investing time and energy into. And the fact that he can't get booked on the premier indies is such a gross misjudgment or ignorance to talent, whatever it might be. This is a guy that I suddenly want to see of a lot more of him in a lot of different places. And with the way the indie scene is laid out right now, that is just not going to happen. But credit to Deadlock, outside of the SB Kento stuff, credit to Deadlock for running a professional operation and for booking good young wrestlers. Yeah, and in doing it in a place where it's very clear as a Carolinian, at least for the next uh, few weeks, it's very clear as someone who's lived off and on for, for over a decade in the Carolinas, what the vein is that if you want to promote wrestling and not completely lose yourself in the Carolinas case, what what would you book in the Carolinas? I would normally book Ricky and Robert Morton. Yes, sir. If or, you don't or, have... or Lucha. You, you know, more so in Atlanta. I That's don't right. See... I don't see as many shows like I assume Charlotte. Like I don't see a lot of like show notices about Charlotte, but at least in like Greenville area, I actually, you know, I have not seen like, and I used to live like on a side of town where like I would like start seeing some of this kind of stuff. Never saw like a Lucha ad in the, in Greenville since I've lived here, but yes, you, you would go heavy, heavy on if they appeared on, if they appeared at six Oh five at any time, within the last 50 years you book them and the hardies and you get like a thousand people deadlock proves you don't have to do that deadlock has like proven in two completely different markets like case you can get to charlotte and raleigh in the same day and you could go and like make like a day of it but you're probably really not like it's like that kind of driving distance with it so they're doing it in two separate places with as you were saying like i would argue that with the exception of what would riptide riptide and cat and uk before covid like i don't think like an indie promotion has been as uh technically complete as deadlock and it's something that we really shouldn't have to throw roses for it but it is remarkable how good their production yeah they, they really feel like a promotion that is inspired by gabe era ring of honor and have luckily taken 
technological steps to make sure their promotion doesn't look like Gabe era Ring of Honor, which is a huge compliment. I, I love the work they, they've done, and I love the way they've used SB Kento. And like I said at the top of the show, you know, between this and PWG and the King of the Indie stuff, it took longer than I wanted it to, but SB Kento has become somewhat of a valuable commodity on the indie scene. And again, there are people now that want to be in the SB Kento business and Deadlock, better than anybody, has used him in the way that he should be used. And the reason this match is important is this felt like a trial run of an Open the Dreamgate match. It started really slow and it got really hot towards the end. SB Kento was a brilliant babyface. I have said for a long time, the money is not an SB Kento as a heel. The money is an SB Kento as a babyface. And this kind of match is why I say that. Oh, absolutely. So, and, you know, at least for me, like the first time I see him in new gear, new look, it does did not see a speck of yellow or a speck of uh, zebrats on it. And it, it's just kind of exciting to see like that. And at least like, I, I, I don't know if I would say new gear instantly means he's coming back like next week we don't think that's the case but it's something that you'd be like oh now it looks like things are starting to wrap up and that's really exciting and he's having the matches that being like akira tozawa was having those similar kind of like those longer style matches end of his excursion and it was pretty kind of known that that was it for him at that time and it'll be interesting to see where else uh spk shows up before he heads back to japan yeah, I, I look, this this excursion for him, I think, will ultimately be considered a success because of places like Deadlock and West Coast Pro that have a clue and have been able to use a guy that will eventually be a superstar. They've been able to get it on the ground floor. Credit to Deadlock Pro. Go watch this match. Very much worth investing, you know, 25 minutes, a half hour, however long it was. Sit down and watch this match and then picture SB Kento doing this with somebody, with all due respect to Lucky Ali, doing this with somebody far better in a far bigger arena. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, Case, I, we did not end up going to the buffet, but I kind of feel like what, how we do after we, we, we go to the buffet. I feel like we've covered nearly any, everything or anything with, with, with Dragon Gate. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we got out of here? That's all I got. Uh, uh, th- thoughts and prayers of the Briscoe family once again. Just uh, an awful story that has continued to develop as we've been recording. It's terrible. I, I have nothing else to add, and I'm sure you know people will have far more eloquent speeches throughout the week, but it's it's pretty terrible. Yeah, no. Uh, of course, thoughts to the family and friends of the Briscoes. That's, I can't really add too much to that other than that. Well, if you want to follow Open the Voice Gate, the best way to do that is at Open Voice Gate on Twitter. If you would like to support the show, one of the best ways to do so is you go to your podcast app uh, apple podcast spotify google they're all out there there's a lot of them but those three are are the ones that usually people talk about and if you rate us and throw a five-star rating and review it'll help us out it's honestly the 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 easiest way for people to discover new shows is through uh, the podcast app so we'd appreciate that cases at underscore in your case i'm at fujiheya thanks for the snowball voice gate we'll be back to you, you next week take care everyone
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of all Japan pro wrestling and pro wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps.